Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. Today I'm interviewing Mary Kay Etter. Mary Kay is a retired U.S. Army Major General. She's also a renowned speaker and author and a thought leader on strategic communication and leadership. Welcome, Mary Kay. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, before we jump into, I love this topic, step out of line, ladies. Uh, let's get into your background. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about uh, you? Well, I was in the Army. I joined the Army right out of college, and I wanted to get into journalism. It wasn't immediately available, so I had some other operational experiences. I spent five years in the active Army and then moved to the Reserves. I loved being in the Reserves. I also worked for the Army as a civilian, doing public affairs, public relations. And then the last 10 years or so, I spent back on active duty after 9-11. Uh, you have a book coming out called Step Out of Line, Ladies. Can you share a little bit about the story behind that and then what going through this process, what you've learned? When I left the Army, there was a question about what's next. It's not, not that you're going to sit on a porch in a rocking chair. It's what can I do now that I am done with that career? What should I find next? I had thought about going back into the Pentagon. I had job offers at uh, both the Department of Defense and at State, but I decided I wanted to do something very different, to take a hard right turn. I wanted to do something that would make a difference, something that would keep me engaged intellectually, let me go at my own pace and actually fulfill a childhood dream to write a book. So I wrote several books that were mysteries. Those are still out there with my agent. But I stumbled on this story or these stories quite by accident. I had been reading obituaries. I know. I know how that sounds. <laughs> um, but as we're finding the women from the World War II generation are now nearing the age of 100, or more, and they are passing in greater numbers, that's what I had started to read. And I was most intrigued by these stories, that people I'd never heard of who did amazing and incredible things. And I wanted to bring that forward because they all seem to have an impact for us today, a way in which they not only inspire, but I think help show us the way to go forward and become super achievers ourselves. Mm. So what is that story? Well, the story of the book and the title came from last year's Emmy Awards. So do you watch The Marvelous Mrs. Mizell? <gasps> yes. So last year when um, her name is Borstein and she was accepting the Emmy for Best Supporting Actress. And when she stood up to accept the award, she said, in World War II, my grandmother was about to be shot into a pit. She turned to the guard and said, what happens if I step out of line? And he said, well, I won't shoot you, but somebody else probably will. So she stepped out of line. And for that, I am here today. And for that, my children are here today. So step out of line, ladies. Step out of line. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I know. So this book is stories of women from a variety of 
occupations, styles, uh, different parts of the world, who all made a huge effort to step out of line in their own lives, not only to propel themselves forward, but to undertake a mission. And in many ways, what they did helped and served others. Mm. Now, when we had uh, when we discussed this before, you talked about uh, connection and legacy. Can you share what you learned from that, from the book, from writing the book? When I first found the stories of many of the women in this book, they were inspirational in and of themselves. Those who joined the resistance at age 17, who survived being captured by the Nazis and held in a ghetto. Those who joined the army or the navy, not knowing what to expect or where to go, but they raised their hands and said, I will. I will volunteer. I will do this. And this is at a time when nothing was expected of women at that time. They didn't have to do this. Every single woman in this book is a volunteer in one way or another. I will make an effort to save this this guy who was my neighbor. I'll save him from being deported by the Nazis. I'll make a difference one way or another. And there was great determination in that. They were all very young when they started. And each one of them perhaps started not knowing what would come of it. So that that is their legacy in many ways to us. It's not just them and their stories in and of themselves. It's how it impacts us. I believe I mentioned to you the story of Alice Marble, who was a mm-hmm. tennis star in the 1930s. Alice won 18 Grand Slam championships in the space of six years, which is incredible in and of herself. She was a natural athlete. And then she decided, well, I've done all of that. I might as well turn pro. Unfortunately, this was just at the time World War II began. She did one tour of exhibition games, and that was in 1941. And then pretty much that business stopped. She wanted to be able to serve, to do her part, as practically everyone in the country did. But there wasn't a way for her to do that because she'd survived tuberculosis earlier. She played in exhibition games, but at one point during the war, military intelligence came to her and asked her if she would undertake a mission for them. This was at a low point in her life. Her husband had just died. He was a pilot who was shot down over Germany, and she was feeling pretty much like she didn't want to go on. We all have those points in our life where I just cannot get up. I can't go forward. She was given the opportunity to make a difference in a a way that only she could. So she went to Switzerland, where she had played before in exhibition games, and met up with an old boyfriend. He happened to be a banker in a Swiss bank that was laundering money for Nazi officials. And it was her job to find the evidence of that. She did. She broke into the vault in his mansion. She took pictures of art, of ledgers, of money, of gold bars. And then she escaped as he came home. She was chased down the mountainside and was shot by a Russian spy who'd been following her. It's pretty an, a pretty incredible story. Yeah. And of course, there's a lot of discussion nowadays as to, did this really happen? 
Well, it can't be proved that it did, and it can't be disproved that it didn't. So I take her at her word that this is what she did. And if there are files on this, they are still classified. But what she found, they destroyed the film. However, Alice has a photographic memory, and she was able to say, take a look. Here's, I've written down everything for you. And some of what she had was used in the Nuremberg trials. So she made her impact. She made a difference. For many of the women in this book, they had a period of intensity in their lives where things were very risky, very real, very intense. And then it's what happens after that. For Alice, after the war, she coached tennis. She actually coached Billie Jean King. And she also was an advocate for Althea Gibson, an African-American player who wasn't permitted to play in some of the major tournaments because it was whites only. And what Alice did was take on the establishment. She'd never back down from a fight. And she wrote a letter to the Tennis Association and complained to them and said, you are hypocrites. Let us all be better than the ladies and gentlemen that we have been. She shamed them to the point they opened up the doors. The year, a year later, Althea Gibson won the U.S. Open, or as it was called then, the uh, I think the New York Open, and she also won Wimbledon. Wow. From that example, Althea Gibson later coached Serena and Venus Williams. During her career, Venus Williams did something she had learned from Alice Marble's example. She wrote a letter to Wimbledon and complained about unequal treatment and unequal pay for male and female players. Serena Williams has been coaching Coco Goff. So I think what you see is the experiences, the legacy, the example set continues to echo down through the generations. And I find that to be quite incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Legacy and impact. That is definitely a legacy and definitely a a ripple effect impact. Absolutely. And I think we see that in many of these cases too, where some of the women who served in the military, their children and their grandchildren continue to serve. I talked to the son of Kate Nolan. Kate was a nurse in World War II. And her son said, well, yeah, my mom was a war hero. One of seven children, half of them have served in the military. Grandchildren, many of them have served. One of them has been a nurse in the front lines in New York fighting COVID. And so we see that example set and then being able to continue that legacy. What do you recommend for our listeners that are are listening to these stories and they're like, wow, I want to have some sort of, I want to have an impact like that. I want to create a legacy like that. Do you have any recommendations for things that they can do to to be like these women you studied? Well, I think there's one thing that we can all do today. We might not have the big challenges. You know, we're not going to save the world, perhaps, maybe. (laughs) And I should also mention one more thing about Alice Marble. While she was searching for something to do in World War II to serve, she found another way to make a difference. She happened to run into a guy who wrote comic books and who owned what later became Marvel Comics. What he wanted from her was to endorse his new 
Marvel superhero, Wonder Woman. But Alice said, "Mm, I will do you one better. I would like you to write stories about real Wonder Women and include them in your comic. Oh. For two years, she was an associate editor at Wonder Woman Comics. She found another way to make a difference, to have an impact, to leave a legacy. Yeah. So I think that's there for all of us. And it doesn't have to be in big ways. And the real way in which we make that difference is to help others and to pull them along, to make an effort. Many of the many times in the Army, I found that those who were senior to me, especially women leaders, were not interested in helping others. I got here the hard way. You're going to have to find your own way. I don't believe in that. I believe we have an obligation to do our best to help others. Right now, I spend a great deal of my time with a group in Spotsylvania County, Virginia, called Teen Enrichment Network. So I am a mentor for high school kids. This is not meant to push any beliefs or, well, let me tell you how it was for me. (laughs) Of course. What can I do to help you? What do you need to know? Uh, One young man wanted to apply to the Virginia Military Institute. So I helped him by writing him a letter of recommendation. And then I told him what to expect when he got there to get him through those first three months. And then he'll be fine. Then he can fly on his own. I love that. So helping others. Um, what can I do for you? Having a, uh, a, what kind of mindset I'm thinking, um, what kind of mindset would you call that? I would call it having an open mindset because you're not just helping others. It does something for you inside. Yeah. And it also creates the future. So it's more than legacy. It's looking ahead. So who are going to be our heroes 75 years from now? Ooh. Those who started, who did, yeah, ooh, who's, who started so young? Coco Goff, uh, Greta Thunberg, Elizabeth yeah. Smart, who was kidnapped at, I think, 14 and held captive for the next 18 months. Her example about how to go on and survive trauma and focus on going forward is really an incredible story. There are so many young people making huge differences now, whether it's in, in the environment, in sports. And I think we're going to continue to see much of that. Yeah. So I can see part of that would be also much like with your book, studying the stories of others and taking on those characteristics and uh, maybe some of those challenges to help develop yourself to be someone who has more of an impact and a legacy. That's true. Because once you see the full story, as I said, I started reading obituaries, which is sometimes they weren't accurate. And they weren't complete. So I didn't feel like I knew the person. And so this began for me is really, I think, curiosity. And the more I got to know them, the more I understood about their struggle, because it isn't perfect. You don't always succeed. You do fail. You do have low points. You do question your faith. And you do have to pull yourself up again. Yeah. I think so many of them struggled alone, whether they were alone in whatever type of business they chose. Marion Freswick was the on, one of the only female cartographers who worked for the Office of Strategic Services. They built topographic maps to help in intelligence decision making. It had never been done before. So a total pioneer in a brand new area, having to figure it out as she went along. 
So there are lessons there that some of these women didn't even realize they were making or giving at the time. And that's what fascinated me. Yeah. They were being themselves, forging ahead. Being themselves, forging ahead, and doing what it took. Doing what it took to get through each day to survive. Yeah. Um, doing what it took to make that difference, to fulfill that mission. And I want to mention one more of them to you, if you have a moment. Sure. This is uh, Berendina Diet. Diet was what she went by, Iman. She grew up in the, ha- in the Netherlands, in The Hague. And as the war began and the Netherlands was occupied by the Germans, she decided, along with her boyfriend, to help a guy she worked with at a bank. She was 18, 19. Well, why don't we help him escape? Well, well, he said, I have a girlfriend. Two weeks later, they had helped over 60 Jewish people escape from the Nazis because wow. by then they were being deported. They hid them in the countryside and farms. Then they realized, well, they need papers and they need ration cards. So when her parents had a party and all of the aunts and uncles were there, they raided their coats and their purses and their pockets and took their ration cards and used it to help people. (laughs) Of course, their aunts and uncles could replace them. Yeah. So that worked. And one of the things she said later was this continued to the point where then you realize how far in you are. They had their own little group of friends who were part of this little resistance group. So it was almost like a club, and it was fun at first until it became deadly serious. After the war, she didn't talk about anything she went through for about 30 years. She had nearly been destroyed by the trauma of what she went through, the prison camps, having her fiancé killed. But when she decided to speak out and make a difference, to tell her story, What happened was incredible. And I think she passed away on September 3rd last year at 99. And she continues to have an impact through having told her story, having shared what she went through. And it ought for her, it was always all about faith. One of the things her biographer said was this is a story about a girl, a guy, and God. And God told them to take care of his people. And that's what they did. Aww. On her engagement ring was engraved three words from her fiancé, love conquers all. And that was the theme for her life, what she lived by and what she lived for. I love it. (laughs) I know. These are incredible people. Yeah. Well, and by you researching these stories and putting them together, in addition to all the other stuff you've done in life, you're also making a huge impact and creating quite a legacy. Well, I hope so, because we all have our own stories to tell, too. One of the stories I tell when I talk to these kids is I have a lot to give back and I have a lot to be thankful for. When I went to apply to college, I had a hard time getting in and only one university accepted me. That was Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania. And when they passed the Freedom of Information Act, you could actually go see your records. I think I was a junior then. So you had to sit in the dean's office. And you could look at your file. And in that file, there was a letter from my high school guidance counselor. And it said, I do not recommend Mary Kay for acceptance into any college or university because she isn't intelligent enough to complete it. Oh, so that had a huge impact on me. Yeah. And I have been, I was that close to not having a future. 
at all. Yeah. So I have been ever since an advocate for Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania because they gave me that chance. And so the biggest lesson for my life is to give someone a chance, to take a chance, and to reach out. And that's what Mm. I wanted to do with this book. I love it. So can you share more about when it's coming out and where people can get it? The publisher is Sourcebooks, located in Chicago. The book will be published in May of next year. And in just a few months, it should be available for pre-order. So I'll be letting you know when that is and how to do it. Excellent. We'll put that on uh, in the show notes. People can follow that link. And then when it is available, um, when it is uh, fully published, it's at what, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all those good places? All the good places. Awesome. (laughs) Probably sitting right there, right beside, quit bleeping around. (laughs) Now, you uh, also have some other books you've written. Can you share a little bit about those? Uh, Well, while I was still working in public affairs with the Army, I wrote a book on strategic communication called Leading the Narrative. It was published by the Naval Institute Press. I think it is still available on Amazon. And I also wrote, just for fun and for the experience of it, I wrote Stories in the Voice of My Dog. I adopted this little dog from a couple who didn't want this rambunctious puppy. (laughs) And then they felt guilty. So they started to send him letters, and he would write back. And a few months later, I had an email list of over 75 people who wanted to read his letters. So from that, I just compiled them into a book. So there's two books of these stories. And the second one includes my other rescue schnauzer, Maggie, Maggie Moo. And some of the stories in that book come from visiting one of my old college friends, who was a first grade teacher. She invited Benson, my dog, to be a pen pal with her first grade students. So, Aww. so we wrote to all of the kids for a couple of years, and we shared things about having your sister steal your toys and <laughs> what you can do with peanut butter. You know, important things like. That. <laughs> well, well, we'll include a link to your uh, Amazon author page as well in the list, and people are interested in, in hearing about those stories. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So I'm so excited about your book coming out. To wrap us up today, what is your final piece of advice for our listeners? I think that as we all look for inspiration and for a little scrap of something that we can take with us and help us through each and every day, it is, I think, always to look outside of ourselves and to find a way to make a difference for someone else in that day. Love conquers all. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mary Kay. Thank you for inviting me. If you'd like to learn more about Mary Kay, connect with her on LinkedIn, pre-order her book at sourcebooks.com, or follow her Amazon author page. Did you know that time is not your most limiting resource? To find out how to increase your productivity and have more time to do the things you love, Visit secrettosuperproductivity.com.